What's up, friends? How's it going? This is your host, Lucas, and I'm joined today by Alec, and we're excited to bring you another episode of NFT Rumors, the podcast, your show for weekly NFT news updates and interviews from leaders around the NFT space. We have a good one for you today. Uh, This week has been pretty crazy for NFTs. What is new? Uh, This yeah, it seems like every week we got something to talk about, which is awesome. I couldn't imagine doing a podcast. I mean, there's all these true crime pro- podcasts, but how much crime is... I guess there is a lot of crime going on, but... Anyway, to get back on topic, we got an awesome episode for you today. Uh, these NFT news updates, we are going to be talking about the app that is coming out from OpenSea. It's going to make all of our lives way easier, hopefully. Uh, what else? Coinbase coming out with their own NFT market. Um, Sotheby's is uh, auctioning off some NFTs in metaverse land, uh, some partnerships, some gaming companies raising money, uh, political leaders getting into NFTs. We got you covered. You never know where those NFT news updates are going to take you. Honestly, we don't either. So stay tuned for that at the beginning of the episode. We are then joined by Chris from the Shrimp Society. He actually just talks to Alec. Uh, He did a solo interview and yeah, they dive into uh, a whole lot actually. But Shrimp Society is basically this like startup hub uh, for South Florida, especially. It's kind of a place for entrepreneurs and founders of startups and companies to work together, network, they host events, they have uh, newsletters and they're also coming out with nfts so we talked to them about that and basically just how they're growing the tech scene here in south florida we are in miami so we like to uh, highlight the local leaders as well um mayor suarez still hasn't accepted our invitation to come on to the podcast but he has reached out to us we that's that's our that's our get that's what we're trying to work on so that'll be a big episode when we finally can talk to mayor suarez um but yeah, we're excited for this episode. A little bit of housekeeping. Go follow us on Twitter at NFT Rumors. We post a lot of this content there, uh, not weekly, but daily. So yeah, go check that out uh, at NFT Rumors. Also, go make sure you send the podcast out to a friend. Uh, send it to your grandma that wants to learn about NFTs. Send it to your cousin who thinks that they're really dumb. Send them. Just send out the podcast. Uh, maybe they'll people will learn something. Um, maybe not. I don't know. Um, also, go like it. Go give us a review. Go subscribe if you're on Apple. Uh, make sure you never miss an episode. Uh, we come out Sundays, Mondays. That once a week, one of those two days, usually coming out late Sunday night. Um, but yeah, let's dive right into this episode. We're excited. Uh, NFT Rumors the Podcast. Let's do it. Jumping into the first news story of the day, OpenSea, the largest NFT marketplace, which is built on Ethereum, recently launched a mobile app. The app is available both on iOS and the Google Play Store. However, on the app, you cannot purchase NFTs. It only serves as a gallery. The NFT gaming market is already huge. And in 2021 alone, the total volume spent on NFT games is expected to be $4.3 billion. Now, just this week, one of the most well-known PC game stores has completely closed their doors on any NFT games. Steam is owned by Valve and they operate a mobile and web-based digital storefront for people to buy video games, buy video game items, whole bunch of stuff like that. And they are banning any NFT game saying that the change was because the company doesn't allow game items that could have real-world value. In light of this news coming out, one of Steam's main competitors, Epic Games, came out and said that they were okay with having NFTs and NFT-based games on their digital marketplace. And this is not really a shock as a lot of developers now in in video games are looking to uh, build on the blockchain and utilize NFTs. 
it seems like a better move for Epic Games here uh, to actually embrace what's coming. Uh, we'll see if Steam ever does allow NFTs on their platform. If they do get huge, I can't imagine that they wouldn't allow it, but we'll see. Filecoin has become the official storage partner of the Flow blockchain, which is powered by Dapper Labs. This move comes to help provide decentralized storage for NFTs built in the network. This is big news as the Flow blockchain has typically been a platform used by major corporations for centralized projects such as NBA Top Shot, Eternal, and even a recent announcement with the NFL. Viacom CBS is a massive media company with many top brands like CBS, MTV, Showtime, Paramount Pictures, BET, Nickelodeon, Comedy Central, and more. And this week, they have announced a partnership with NFT startup Recur to bring its iconic intellectual property and franchises to the world of digital collectibles starting next year. Recur recently closed a $50 million Series A funding round, and the company is valued at $333 million. They will be building a platform called NFTU, which is expected to launch sometime next year. And this will be the home for all of the Viacom CBS digital collectibles. And now we can finally maybe see some SpongeBob NFTs, South Park, Star Trek, all these top brands, uh, more NFTs coming our way. Coinbase, the global crypto exchange and mobile app, recently announced that they are coming out with a peer-to-peer -peer NFT marketplace. They're likely following the suit of Binance and Crypto.com as typical crypto exchanges begin to venture more into the NFT space. Laguna Games is a research and game development studio that specializes in making blockchain technology. And this past week, they have raised $5 million in a seed round to make its blockchain-based game Crypto Unicorns. Crypto Unicorns will be a game centered around you owning your own unicorn that comes in a variety of colors and appearances, and they can be used in battle games, including jousting and racing. But participating in these games will level up your unicorn, and the better your unicorn gets at these games, the you know better chance you have of winning and earning in the process since it is a blockchain-based game. Laguna will use this $5 million to build out crypto unicorns and other NFT games going forward. Look out on November 15th when Laguna will seed the marketplace with its Genesis Unicorn Egg NFTs. There will only be 10,000 of these and these will build out the entire ecosystem. So look out for that. I did not know that unicorns came out of eggs. Sotheby's, the luxury auction house, has announced a metaverse auction that will run from October 18th through October 26th. There will be pieces from famous projects and celebrities such as the Board Ape Yacht Club, Paris Hilton, and DJ Steve Aoki. The auction will accept payments in forms of Bitcoin, Ethereum, USDC, along with credit card payments and wire transfers. Here's an interesting one. Front Row is a new NFT marketplace that has been founded and self-funded by four democratic strategists. And they are trying to build an NFT platform for progressive causes that can engage more voters and give supporters a new medium to contribute to the movements they care about. Front Row already has a partnership, and its first initial partnership is with the Texas Democratic Party, and they'll be auctioning off digital versions of arrest warrants for the Texas state representatives who fled the state this summer. This is in no way a political podcast, this is an NFT podcast, so we like to see other, you know, anyone using NFTs and benefiting it uh, from some way. It's great to see. Uh, maybe if our entire political system was built on the blockchain, we'd have a little bit more transparency and things could go a little bit smoother. But that's for another day. Minted X Morphe is releasing a series of NFTs that feature prominent scientists such as Neil deGrasse Tyson and Stephen Hawking. The first NFT will be a one-of-one -of, -one of Stephen Hawking, which was actually the cover of A Brief History of Time, and will come with an unlockable content, which is an MP4 file of a never-before-heard interview. And for our NFT project of the week, 
usually there's one that everyone's talking about, very anticipated drop. This week it was Jungle Freaks by Trosley. Uh, it's a collection of 100% hand-drawn freaks by legendary hustler mag cartoonist George Trosley. These 10,000 freaks live and breathe on the Ethereum blockchain. Uh, the art is pretty cool, and they have already 40,000 Twitter followers, more people. There's almost 45,000 people in their Discord, and this mint sold out immediately, like 10 seconds or something like that. Uh, it was very hyped up, and it is the art is cool. Uh, they are hand-drawn. I can't imagine how long that took to hand-draw 10,000 of them. But it is topping the OpenSea rankings uh, at the moment, at the time of recording. They have traded already nearly 8,000 uh, Ethereum volume traded in just a few days. The floor price is already sitting at above 1 Ethereum. And there's 5.8 thousand owners, which is pretty good uh, for 10,000 items. And yeah, let's go check out Jungle Freaks. That's what everyone was talking about this week. There were a couple other big drops. Metasaurs, uh, Doodles happened today on Sunday. Um, but yeah, Jungle Freaks, NFT project of the week. And as always, an update on the Metaverse Index. The index is currently trading at $136.26. This is up 2.78% on the week. All right, that wraps up our weekly NFT news updates. Uh, let us know on Twitter what you found interesting, if you learned something new. Whatever, follow us at NFT Rumors. And let's move right into uh, Alex's conversation with Chris from Shrimp Society. Welcome back to another episode of NFT Rumors, the podcast. We're super excited to have an awesome guest here today. We have the founder of Shrimp Society and the director of SecBaris, a local cloud security firm here in Miami, Chris Daniels. Um, Shrimp Society is a community of local entrepreneurs building early stage startups. Uh, they also host events, panels, workshops, have a startup job board, and send a fun weekly newsletter uh, with the mission of attracting, retaining, and supporting ambitious early stage founders in South Florida. Chris, how are you? I'm doing awesome, Alex. Super happy to be on the show and uh, happy to be speaking with another Miami hurricane uh, and a hometown guy. So happy to be here. Awesome. Um, so before we jump into the project we're going to talk about today, I'd love to hear a bit more about you and your story. Yeah, definitely. So um, uh, I guess <laughs> growing up was always uh, a builder, an entrepreneur of sorts. Uh, I was cleaning out. Uh, my, my mom just moved and I cleaned out some of her old bins and stuff and found like little contracts for morning dew landscaping when I was like 12 years old. So always cutting someone's grass or shoveling snow or something like that. I grew up in Chicago. Um, and then I, um, I started my first, I guess, like real company called Mulch Maniacs uh, when I was in high school. And it was just like a mulch company, like in the Midwest, you, everyone mulches every spring and just saw that I was doing this for free for my dad. And I could recruit some football buddies to come help me shovel some, some mulch. And uh, ended up building that into a nice little small business um, sold that when I went to college. So I went to university of Miami, moved to the sunshine down here in Miami and never looked back and kind of used that, uh, you know, money from selling mulch maniacs to, to fund my, uh, my college experience. Um, and then at UM, I got totally entrenched in the startup scene and really broke more into tech. I worked at the on-campus incubator called the Launchpad there, where uh, I was really fortunate to be mentored by Brian Breslin, who is the founder of Refresh Miami, which is a large non-for-profit focused on the tech community here in Miami. Um, so that was around 2014. I had a ton of different startups in college, always building something. Um, did a ton of pitch competitions, won a couple of those, you know, consulted students when they came to the launch pad. Um, but then in 2017, when I was in my, my senior year, um, I was an accounting and finance major, but I was always interested in crypto and kind of just the edge of tech and stuff like that. So in 2017, I uh, joined up with a buddy and we launched a crypto ETF company called CoinPlan. And it's a really unique company where we were trying to basically become the vanguard of crypto, right? So that was like during the ICO craze where you had a million different ICOs, right? And they're like similar to kind of what's going on right now in NFTs where you have all these different projects popping up and people having insane thousand percent gains and 
and things like that. And so we wanted to say, hey, let's take a diversified approach to this and create these thematic bundles. So we would bundle um, all the all the payment ICOs and blockchain projects and all of the healthcare projects and kind of be that vanguard that could give you exposure to those different kind of sub industries within crypto. Um, and so we led that for two years and kind of had a crazy story. We, we had a couple acquisition offers um, and we were being acquired. We had signed the, the term sheets and everything, you know, popped the champagne and Brickle did the whole nine yards, like literally popped the champagne, celebrated. And uh, then we get a text from our advisor a couple of days later. And he's like, hey, uh, turn on like CNBC or whatever business news. And we turn it on and it was the all around the news was. CEO of Riot Blockchain. It was a company that was acquiring us. They were a public company. The founder or the CEO was indicted on penny stock fraud. And we were like, you know, what is, what's going on? And we're just watching the stock tank, 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 tank. And basically the company blew up. Our acquisition blew up, you know, subsequently. And that was kind of the end of our, as our run is to like bootstrap founders. Um, and then right around that time, you know, I was graduating from UM and I had that experience at the launch pad where I was always around entrepreneurs, right? Like young entrepreneurs that were just building, that were interested in crypto and DeFi and like all this cool stuff. And then I graduated and without CoinPlan, I couldn't find that community of other builders and innovators here in Miami. Um, and so we launched the Shrimp Society way back then as just like a small dinner series um, to just bring together those kind of innovators and we meet on Sundays and have dinner um, but then I joined an early stage cybersecurity startup, SecVaris, as a first employee, uh, you know, went out and helped them raise the pre-seed and seed round and everything, lived in San Francisco for six months, and then kind of put the shrimp on the shelf. Uh, and then earlier this year, you know, with all the momentum from the mayor and everything going on, I still felt that there was a gap where early stage founders didn't have a place in Miami. Um, and so kind of relaunched the Shrimp Society more formally to build a community for, well, of, by, and for early stage founders, right? Um, and we've just been rolling like a snowball down a hill all year. And it's been bigger than something that I ever thought it could be when we set out to launch it. Um, and so that kind of brings us to now where I'm super excited to announce that we're launching uh, what I think could become the new standard in a membership and community nft and we can we could dive into that so sorry if that was a, a long intro <laughs> no that was that was an amazing story um you've definitely worked on a lot of exciting things happy happy you chose to come to miami instead of staying in chicago um so i i think before we jump into the nft project speaking on shrimp society a little bit more uh you know lucas and i were able to go to some of the events during miami hack week um, but what sorts of things and events are y'all hosting right now Definitely. So the, the strip side, we have a couple of things going on at our core. We're an early stage founder community. So it's a private community. It's free to join, but it's based on um, merit, right? So you have to apply and we take new members monthly. Uh, we like to see that, you know, I guess we kind of deem early stage as you're full time on your venture. You've either raised some pre-seed capital or some type of friends and family capital, or you have revenue. Um, but we basically want to see that you're past idea stage, right? And that you have something that's that's going and you're fully committed. Um, basically, all the way up to like Series A type of founders, um, because in that you know phase of your startup, it's extremely lonely, and no one ever talks about this. And it's one of the key things that we're solving for is it's extremely lonely when it's just you and your co-founder and maybe like two interns or whatever it is, or a couple part-time hires. Before, at least you had an office, right? Or you could eat have some co-working space, but with COVID, it was really, really isolating for a lot of founders. Um, and in the earliest stages, I think being physically together in a room on a whiteboard is massively important. So I think a lot of early stage founders really struggled with that uh, throughout the pandemic and everything. So what we do with that private community is we meet um, both socially and professionally. So every month there's a couple of different types of events. We have our founder mastermind once a month, which is kind of our, uh, one of our cornerstone um, pro, uh, programs where uh, we split up founders into groups of five and they basically go through this kind of short list of questions like what's your gut check, right? Like what's your enthusiasm level? 
uh, what are your biggest goals for this upcoming month? What are your asks? Like, what, what do you need help with? Right. Um, and what you find is that it kind of becomes half business strategy, but also like half founder therapy, because a lot of times the only people who understand the, the pressures or the stresses or uh, the financial situation or all these different things are people that are in that, those same shoes who are building something and living off their savings or whatever it is. Right. And you can't really have a lot of those conversations with your investor, for example, right? Like if someone just gave you a $500,000 pre-seed check, you can't really hit them up and say, Hey, I have no idea what I'm doing. Right. On this specific thing, like there's, um, there's a, a huge value in having peers that are in that same kind of class of, of stage with you. Um, so along that, we also do private panels and information series where we bring in, you know, founders that are kind of further down the startup success ladder, you know, late stage founders to help teach fundraising, building teams, building go-to-market strategies, all that. And it's all focused locally, right? So all this is in person locally. We do some virtual stuff as well, but it's all focused on South Florida and building connections that you can actually go have a beer, have a coffee and really get to know people. Um, I guess the bigger focus on, you know, deep relationships instead of many relationships. Um, so that's with the private community. And then we also have our, what I would call our, our public community, which is uh, programming that we put together for the general South Florida tech ecosystem, right? So anybody, you don't have to be a founder, you can be whoever you are, and you're just interested in tech and startups. So we throw big happy hours, big panels for that, where we'll bring in investors and kind of talk about more broader picture things. Um, and we're also putting together kind of a I don't know if it's going to be a conference or a one night event or something a little bit bigger to bring all of that together. Um, and then we also have um, just kind of things that come up, uh, you know, like Miami Hack Week, obviously with everyone coming to town, we're like, let's get all the founders together. Let's throw a great event um, and really use our, you know, our publication, our newsletter, our audience to, to help bring people together is that core mission on that. Yeah. I, I think that's all amazing. And, it's also super unique. I can't really think of any other um, sort of founder societies that talk about a lot of those things that you mentioned that you might not want to tell it's an investor, but you need people around you that can serve as mentors and peers to relate to. Um, mm -hmm. So jumping into these NFTs, um, I know that they serve as sort of membership cards. So what sorts of perks can holders expect um, from getting these Shrimp Society NFTs? Yeah, so it's still early days. We're you know we're in October now, and we're expecting to launch the NFT collection in mid November or latest before Art Basel. Um, and when we started thinking about this, so like kind of going back to 2017 when I was like deep in the crypto space, it was funny because no one. Uh, it was kind of like taboo to say NFT. It was like a scary word. Like everyone would be like, "Oh, no one understands what that is. Don't even say that." It used to be called utility tokens, right? And so that was kind of the, the messaging of these, of what non-fungible tokens were. We would call them utility tokens because they held a utility. So when all of this started kind of coming, you know, the NFT craze started booming, I was like, man, this is really awesome. Like the art's incredible, but people are missing a whole half of this whole, uh, you know, product and this whole movement, which is the utility. So when we looked at the shrimp NFT, we wanted to say, okay, yes, let's make incredible art that showcases Miami and everything that's unique about it um, and the tech ecosystem and, and capture this moment and this movement. Uh, but as well, we said, let's actually bridge the gap between digital and physical utility. Because some, like there's a lot of NFT uh, projects that have DAOs or other kind of like digital type of in-game or whatever it is with kind of a digital utility. But with the, the mission of bringing more people in Miami and outside of Miami into Web3, we said it's got to be physical. You got to be able to do something physically that like you could explain to your mom or dad, right? And so one of the core things that we're going to have as part of the Shrimp NFT is called the Reef Club. And the Reef Club is basically a benefits program and a rewards program where we've gone out and brought on, I think as of right now, like 25 or so local restaurants, bars, coffee shops, uh, venues all around Miami and South Florida, like cornerstones, like, like the wharf, like Riverside, like Oasis, like uh, Blackbird, like 
some personal favorites in there. Yeah, exactly. Like places you would go, right? Not like, uh, you know, somewhere random. Um, and we also wanted to focus on places that were locally owned and locally built and had character here in Miami, right? Uh, with the idea that on a Friday night, you could go to happy hour with your friends. And if you're part of the Shrimp Society, you can flash your NFT on your MetaMask wallet and get 20%, 20% off at all of those places. Um, so that's part of the Reef Club. We're expanding that into co-working spaces, into all sorts of other, you know, kind of cornerstones of the tech ecosystem here. And that's just very what I think is is like level one utility, right? Just a simple discount, but to go out for us to organize this and, and make it happen, uh, I think already starts to bridge the gap between a digital and physical um, utility. And then from there, the other utility we're going to have on there is um, basically these, these kind of three categories of experiences where we're going to have uh, tech, lifestyle, um, and sport experiences all focused on South Florida. So for example, some of the biggest conferences that come to town are Emerge America is the Bitcoin conference. Um, there's pre-money as well, which is 500 startups conference coming to Miami. So as Miami is becoming this, uh, further be becoming this hub of innovation, we're gonna start to see more conferences and tech events and everything coming here. And we wanna be able to have a utility where if you mint a shrimp NFT, you might be wearing the one, you might have the one with laser eyes, which is, you know, one of 20 that has a VIP Bitcoin 2022 experience attached to it, right? Uh, for three years too. We're looking at this as, you know, this isn't just a one-year thing. We want this to to last a while. Um, and one of the coolest thing as well is I, I didn't even know this, to be honest, when, when we set out with this, one of my partners on the project is that we're looking to keep adding on utility as we go. So we're going to come out of the gate with, you know, let's say, don't quote me on this, but a thousand heat tickets, right? So you're going to have your shrimp with a, a heat hat is going to be attached to, you know, maybe courtside seats. Maybe it's just general entry, whatever it is. We're kind of negotiating those partnerships right now. Um, but really getting people out and, and into Miami to experience it. Um, but then after those are minted and you have those, we're also looking to drop more things, right? And add more utility and have it continue to be something that you're using in my, like in a perfect vision for me, you're using your shrimp NFT once a week, whether it's going to a bar, going to dinner, uh, going to an event, checking into a tech event, right? We're looking at things like, um, like Pot and Collabland and some of these other ways to, to kind of create custom, unique check-in or event, you know, additional NFTs and stuff like that. But what's your, what's your take on that? It's the first time I've kind of told you the full vision there. <laughs> no, I, I mean, there, there's so much to dive into right there, but I, I really love um, like everything about that. And especially like at the beginning, you mentioned like NFTs really could be used as utility tokens. Um, and I think like what's hit the mainstream the most has been like the generative art and like just the visual aspects of it. Um, but looking at things that are like possible, like to create with NFTs, like whether it's in-game items or these memberships that are basically now like digital like authentication like tokens that you can now show like hey I'm, I'm part of this society i think that's so exciting um and then also somebody somebody told me this phrase one time and i'm, I'm obsessed with it but it's digi fizzy um basically like bridging the gap between like the digital and the physical world um because at least like in my experience like you talk to people about nfts and like even with cryptocurrencies it's like a very abstract idea right because like it only exists in, like the digital realm like you can't see it, you can't touch it like what is it um with nfts though like First off, it's like, what is it? But then if, if you can actually like, get a physical benefit from your NFT, it starts to make more sense. And I think that that helps drive adoption. That helps uh, bring in more projects, more exciting developments. Like I, I know Dapper just announced an, a partnership with the NFL, which I don't think would have happened a year ago. But like, as you see more and more projects come out with a lot of these like high impact and utility like use cases, uh, larger corporations are more willing to get involved. Um, but so my, my next question to you, uh, you mentioned a lot of these partnerships. What has that process been like? Like, how do you, how do you walk into these restaurants or these sports teams and say like, Hey, uh, I want you to give us uh, a partnership to give a discount if people have this NFT and like explaining what it even mm -hmm. means to them. It's been, um, I guess there's kind of like two, two groups, right? There's the group that just from, from building the shrimp and, and hosting events and things like that, like at Riverside, we've done great events there. So it's 
a very easy phone call to say, Hey, we want to do this. We'd love, you know, if you guys could offer 20% off and they're like, no problem. That's awesome. You know, like we want, and this goes across all of Miami. It's if you're reading any of these, these headlines, whether you're a restaurant owner or any type of the entertainment you're, you're seeing, Oh my God, there's this huge wave of tech people and innovators and this kind of new spirit in Miami um, that they want to attract to their business. Right. And so for us, it's saying, Hey, we would love to uh, have, you know, whatever restaurant, for example, you know, Kush Burgers, we would love to have, you know, we'd love to market you to 6,305 people. And if you can offer them discounts. So when someone flies in for the Bitcoin conference and they're in a shrimp NFT holder, they're going to go to your, to your spot. Right. And they're going to feel welcome there. And they're going to see a physical shrimp NFT, you know, poster in, in your restaurant. Right. And we're going to do some custom stuff as well and make some custom one of one shrimp for, for our partners and stuff like that. Um, but the overwhelming response has been, uh, yes, yes to everything, you know, with one of our, our you know, favorite spots, which is Pure Rose Coffee Shop here in Brickell, one of the only locally owned coffee shops in, in Brickell, you know, for them, they're saying, yes, we want tech people and all this innovation here. Cause for them also, they're seeing this wave go by and saying, how do I get involved? How can I, my business be seen as innovative and attract a, a clientele that also, you know, is, is part of that group with the, the big organizations, it's definitely a, a much different process than just a, you know, one phone call. Um, but again, it's, you know, all the local universities, they want to obviously attract innovative students, innovative partners, everything to them. And we're kind of saying, Hey, we're going to go out there and, and build it. And we just want your support. Um, and if you have students or you have partners or employees or whatever it is that are interested in this stuff, we want to be a place that they can come to experience this, be a part of this community. And so, uh, you know, those are still to be inked and everything like that, but we're excited for that. And I think on more of like a operational standpoint, um, you know, the, in a perfect world, the discounts and everything, if you go to Riverside and, and you get the discount in a perfect world, uh, that's on chain, right? And that's, they're scanning your wallet and verifying that and, and it's on chain as an activity. And we're looking at some options. There's some really cool technology out there to actually make that more uh, realistic. Um, but in the short term, we're kind of saying, let's just do some of that stuff off chain and so that people can start to feel more comfortable with Web3. Like, again, like some of the, like in our uh, team calls, the the common phrase is, would the mayor do this, right? Like Mayor Suarez is extremely tech savvy and stuff like that. But would he actually, you know, show his NFT to get a discount? I think so, right? I think most people would do that. It's a pretty simple concept. Um, but would you want to uh, go through this verification process and have tickets sent digitally. And could you get the Miami heat to, you know, scan ether wallets and all this stuff? Like probably not. So some of that stuff is more of like, Hey, let's just figure out operationally as a, as a group, as the team putting together this NFT collection, let's take that burden off of it and just make this super seamless where, uh, wow, you got the limited edition ultra VIP shrimp. You have three years worth of ultra tickets. Okay you redeem them through us, we get the tickets, we send them to you, um, and your NFTs, you know, staked or whatever it is until you redeem that. Um, and then there's some really fun stuff we're going to do with after, you know, badges after events and stuff like that as well. You know, I, I think that's all super exciting. Um, <clears throat> and to your point about like making it just like super easy for people, like in the whole web three conversation of, and if everything needs to be on chain, I know like POAP or Pope, I yep. don't know how it's mm -hmm. announced. Um, that was pretty cool, but like the only issue is like it requires a Web3 wallet like logged in onto your phone, which might be a bit of a technical difficulty for some. Mm -hmm. um, and then you have stuff like Sweet, which like you don't even realize you're interacting with like the blockchain. It's just like on your phone. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah. And I, I think that's, you know, we're really looking at those as unique ways to continue to use it and really turn your experience in the shrimp site, like going back to as a you know, being in the shrimp study as a community or a membership token, we want to be able to give different NFTs or popes or all these different things to help signify your kind of digital identity as well. Um, so something as simple as coming and checking into um, 
you know, uh, or becoming a shrimp private community member, right? Like right now we're reviewing applications. We're going to have probably 40 to 50 new founders in the community. So, you know, you would not only have your shrimp NFT, but then you would have a, a poet that signifies you as a founder or a builder or something like that. And um, with that, we've really, and this has been a problem, like trying to manage the shrimp society, trying to manage a big community that has all these different moving pieces is extremely hard. And I've tried every piece of software. And the problem is, it's all um, basically manual data entry, right? Like, how do you, okay, we have a list of people that came to this event or subscribed to this newsletter or, uh, you know, wanted office hours or whatever it is. How do we have to basically then manually export that, add it into an Excel? It basically all comes down to Excel, right? And it's like, that is not a good modern way to, to manage a community. And with the NFT, as a community manager, it's like, oh my God, we can now have real-time validated both physical and digital applications of our community. So for example, when I talk about the, um, the founder mastermind, it'd be extremely easy to just uh, give someone, uh, the, you know, the people that came to that event, give them a pote and then drop a special bonus. And maybe it's just a, a sweatshirt, like a custom sweatshirt or something like that. Like, hey, we appreciate you. You've you're the strip of the month, whatever it is, right? And all of those things can now happen through the tokens. And what's really cool is, I mean, the aftermarket trading, that's a whole like kind of different side of NFTs. But for us, we think of it as like, this is a long-term asset that you're holding and you're building out this, this profile and this wallet and this very public way to show, hey, I've, I've contributed to this community, right? And it's not just, I bought, the dip and sold it and like a lot of the other stuff that's going on in nfts where we really think of this as a longer term investment and a longer term interaction um and it this now we have a way to show it publicly yeah i'm definitely a big fan of all these nfts that basically build communities and incentivize people to want to be a part of it long term um because I, I i feel like a lot of the pump and dumps just paint a different image of nfts and what they could be um mm -hmm. So looking at painting, I guess, uh, what's the artistic inspiration behind the NFTs? Any, I know you mentioned some of them are going to be heat or whatever it might be. So yeah, what, what's that story? Uh, they're going to be awesome. So the entire shrimp NFT collection is all uh, local um, people, right? It's of, by, and for local people here in South Florida. And so our artist, Matt Gomez, is incredible. He's hand-drawing everything first and we're through a ton of renditions of it, but basically it's going to be uh, a PFP animated or cartoon shrimp, right? Um, similar to like, a, you know, gutter cat or board apes or whatever. Um, but the actual attributes are going to be all Miami things, right? So we have different kind of themes, of course, but for example, you're going to have um, a whole sports theme where you're going to have Marlins and heat jerseys and UM football and all these different things, right? A turnover chain, whatever it is, all these different attributes that it's kind of like, if you know, you know, right? Like if you're a Miami person, you know, and there's going to be more kind of cultural things like Wynwood or having a Capacito or Cayocho. Um, we also have a ton of, you know, international flags that are going to play a part as well. Like Miami is the most international city in the world. It's incredible. And that's, what people love about this city. And so, you know, you could have a shrimp with, um, you know, a, a Cuban flag and a heat Jersey drinking a cafecito um, and things like that. And really we're, we're looking at it as, you know, can you see yourself in a shrimp avatar? Right. And like, again, this project is of by and for Miami, but there's so many people that are outside of Miami that love Miami, right. Wherever they live, it's like Miami, for whatever reason holds a special place in their heart and and they love what's going on here they just don't physically live here and we want to of course include them as well um but we really are looking at the attributes and the art as a way to find your perfect shrimp and again then because this isn't a flip and you know a, a flip type of play we're saying okay no like this shrimp represents you or you identify with this shrimp and it has the attributes that you love maybe you traded to get the right one you like um and then you're going to hold it for a long time and that's you know, your Twitter picture or your picture in the Slack or whatever it is. And I think there's a lot more, um, I guess, kind of connection to your shrimp is what we're thinking. Uh, and we're going to have fun stuff too. Like we're going to have 
I don't want to give away all the cool stuff, but we're going to have some stuff that's very like, if you know, you know, Miami type of stuff. Um, and uh, it's, it's going to be fun. I'm excited. I think um, we should be getting an art teaser out probably in like mid October. Excited to see it. Um, so I guess my next question would be um, the actual sort of auction or minting process. Uh, is it going to be one of these where it's an external website, you mint it and basically get a randomly generated piece of art or are you going to be selling them directly through OpenSea pre-mint that way everybody gets to select which specific shrimp they want no we're going to do a, a mint right off the website it's going to be generative um right now we're looking at 6305 generative art pieces those 305 are going to be reserved for the founder community so that private community um we're also going to hopefully fingers crossed do a do a pre-sale um probably I don't want to give out any dates, but we're going to do a pre-sale probably around, you know, a hundred dollars or so. Um, and then the general sale will probably be around 200. Um, but I think there's a, a lot of fun to uh, the minting and then figuring out what it is later. And I think it also gives people the opportunity to then see the collection as it comes online and trade and things like that. Um, I've done that for a lot of different projects and I thought it was fun. Um, so I think that's, that's the way it's going to go down. And also, we're planning, maybe this is kind of off topic from your question, but we're also planning an NFT gallery for Art Basel, uh, as well as we're commissioning a mural of the shrimp NFT in Wynwood. So we're super, super stoked about that. Again, what did, what did you say? Digi and Fizzy? What was your word? Digi Fizzy, I think. I yeah, Digi Fizzy. So we're going Digi Fizzy in Wynwood with a mural. Um all that has to come together before Art Basel. So you can imagine we're <laughs> running around over here, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. Again, we're, we're working with local artists on the mural um, and with the NFT gallery for Art Basel, we're looking to create a really cool space where people can showcase their NFTs, different collections. Cause I, I think, I mean, I would love your take too, but I think NFTs are going to be the focal point of Art Basel this year. Uh, there's just no way they're not. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely excited to see um, the exhibits going on that week. I know a couple of other projects that are planning to come out in Miami for that. Um, quick question on the tokenomics. So a lot of these projects <clears throat> like aim to be around 10,000, um, but a lot of them choose a specific number that's sentimental to the specific project. Obviously, the 305 and 6,305 is a tribute to Miami, but any, any rationale for why 6,000? Yeah, the you're spot on the 305, of course. Um, but with the 6,000, we we really were thinking about kind of um, supply and demand, right? For us, when we're like, okay, this this community that we want to build, we have our private community. We're going to have the NFT community that's that's bigger, and then the general you know publication community. And we thought, what's the right number where? Um, this isn't obviously uh, a cash grab, right? And that's really something that we're, there's a lot of NFT projects and like brands that are just like, oh, you can sell stuff online. Let's do that, right? Let's sell these, figure it out. Let's outsource it to another company and then, you know, see what happens. Whereas us, we're thinking of this much more as, as a long-term hold and something that you're using every week and that people, um, you know, are, are using in their social circle. And so we wanted a little bit more scarcity than the 10,000. Um, you know, I think there's definitely enough people in Miami that, that could buy out all 6,000. Um, but I think when we look at more of a global scale, I think that scarcity will, will help also signify that, you know, this is a, a community that has value and it's not a, just a flip play and that the value is going to be unveiled even more so over time. And as the community gets more valuable, obviously the, the idea is that being a part of the community will be more valuable. Um, so we're still figuring out that right number, but to me, 10,000 just kind of felt, um, I don't know. It didn't, it didn't feel right. It felt kind of too big. It felt just like another generic project. That's just trying to, you know, get you to sell out a mint. And for us, we, we think there's, there's more to it than that. So if it's going to go anyway, I think it would probably go down. Like some people on our team are like, let's do 3,005. Right. And, and go that way. But I also want uh, a sizable amount of people to participate both locally and, and, you know, internationally. So looking at the sort of macro perspective, uh, I'm sure you're very opinionated on this. 
Uh, Miami is becoming a growing tech hub and there's a number of driving factors, whether it's Mayor Suarez, Pomp, uh, I know Blackstone opened a tech office down here, I believe, or just COVID people wanting to work from home and choosing to come to Miami instead of being stuck in New York or San Francisco and paying that rent. Um, so in your opinion, what, what has led to Miami becoming this tech hub? Wow, good question. Um... Uh, really like kind of the perfect storm of everything you mentioned, right? I don't think I could point to one thing. I, I think on, on the macro, you obviously have um, the impact of COVID and where you had a lot of like wealthier, you know, tech founders or tech executives who said, hey, I'm getting taxed a ridiculous amount of money here and I'm sitting in my house. I'm not using any of the things that these cities offer me. Um, so I'm going to move. And so many, uh, it's like so many stories I've heard, like I'm on the ground floor of this. I hear all this speak with these founders and they like, Oh yeah, I got an Airbnb in Boca for a month, uh, with my wife and kid. And we're just checking it out. Right. We're just checking it out, taking a little vacation. And then you catch up with them like two months later and they're like, Oh yeah, we just renewed for like six months. And you catch up with them a couple months later. Like, yeah, we just bought a house in Coconut Grove. <laughs> and you're like, oh, that's awesome. Um, so I think the impact of remote work is probably the biggest because it kind of unchained people from having to be in these other cities or, you know, in Silicon Valley and these, these different places. Um, and then from there, I think Miami was, uh, I mean, for better or for worse, largely open in a big way compared to like when I would go back home to Chicago or whatever during during the pandemic. And so, but Miami was built for that, right? Like all the restaurants are outside, all the fun is outside, right? On um, the beaches and boats and all that stuff. So I think people came here to just try it out and said, wow, this quality of life is incredible, right? I can go for a run in the sun every day on the beach. And, um, you know, that's a huge part of it as well. But then also the cultural difference between Miami, I think is something you know, I've been here for eight years and I've had a lot of friends and family visit and they visit like one time and they're like, this is a little too much. Miami's a little too much or whatever it is. It's a crazy city. There's so much energy. Um, but then when you stay here and you spend more than a weekend here, you really start to appreciate that this is such an international city and so much energy and such a vibrant city that it's kind of contagious. And then you start to go other places and you're like, man, this place is boring, right? Like everybody looks the same or everybody is in bed by 8 PM or whatever it is. Right. And I feel like in Miami, you get so many more hours in a day from the standpoint of, you know, it's beautiful weather all the time. So coming from the Midwest, you're not in your house, you know, stuck in your house with snow and cold for six months out of the year. Um, and you can work till 8 p.m. and then go out and have a great dinner with friends or investors, professionally, personally, whatever it is, and then still be in bed and get up and have a workout in the morning and go crush it the next day. So I think it feels like you can do more here. You can both have you can have that work hard, play hard. Um, and obviously the the relaxing aspect of just going to the beach is incredible. Um, but you definitely just can't discount what the mayor's done as well. Like he's just been the, the conduit and the, and the voice for all of it. And I think he's really been an incredible leader. Um, you know, I had the opportunity to speak with him quite a bit and work with him on some stuff. And, uh, it's, it's really great to see, especially in like a political climate that's just kind of like so crazy as it is to see everyone really be behind one leader who's, who I think is making great moves. Um, so I think that's huge. And, um, you know, having the Bitcoin web three people be welcomed here is really unique as well. And I don't even think we're not going to know how important that is until like 10 years from now, but there's definitely going to be books written about the companies that come out of Miami and the web three and the new crypto kind of, uh, emergence here. Cause it is so, so welcomed here. Um, and when you look at kind of the next generation of tech and Web3, that's that's where we're going, right? So I think Miami is in a really good position where we've attracted the talent for the next generation. We've stimulated an environment where they can build and we want them here. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to be here. I'm not leaving anytime soon. I'll tell you that. <laughs>
And I, th- I think that was really, really well said. Um, definitely covered all the important parts of Miami. Definitely excited to be here. And I can definitely second the uh, the weather aspect. It's currently, what, like 85 degrees, sunny, palm trees outside right now. Um, Gorgeous. <laughs> can't, can't, can't relate to my friends up, up north right now. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, Chris, uh, thank you so much for coming on today. Had a great time learning more about your story, about Shrimp Society, and super excited about this NFT project y'all are coming out with. Um, to everybody listening, make sure that you go ahead and submit your application to join the Shrimp Society if you're an early stage founder. Uh, make sure you check out their website at uh, theshrimpsociety.com. Uh, Chris, any other socials um, they should be on the lookout for? Yeah, I would say follow us on Twitter. That's kind of our main communication point. So it's the Shrimp Society on Twitter. And then we also have our NFT project, which is uh, Shrimp Society NFT. Uh, it's linked in our in our main Twitter as well. And there'll be more information on our website. Um, so check us out on Twitter. Join the Discord. We're growing there. It's still super early days of this, which is really cool because we have so many people that are so excited about this and we haven't even released a ton of information. Like this is probably the most we've released like landing pages and even up type of stuff um so it's super early days and we're definitely going to be rewarding the people who are kind of with us in their early days um and building this community so give us a follow there and keep an eye out in mid-november for the shrimp nft awesome oh well thank you so much chris awesome thanks alex appreciate it All right. We hope you enjoyed that awesome conversation from Alec and Chris from the Shrimp Society. Chris, thanks so much for uh, joining us today on NFT Rumors, the podcast. And we will definitely be following along with the NFT project and looking forward to speaking soon. Um, So this is wrapping up another episode of NFT Rumors, the podcast. Uh, As always, go follow us on Twitter at NFT Rumors. Scroll down into the episode description. We have our link right there. Uh, also go send this podcast out, uh, scroll down right now. Just do it right now, please. For me, uh, just scroll down, leave a five-star review, take you five seconds, but you know, really help us out. Uh, also leave a, you know, write a review, write About how you love the weekly NFT news updates, how you love our interviews, uh, all that. But thanks for listening. Uh, we'll catch you next week for another episode of Empty Rumors Podcast. And yeah, have a great week. We're going to make it. Don't forget that. Peace.